Morning, Redeemer. Uh, my name is Stanley. Um, we're glad you decided to join us this morning. Um, and thank you for tuning into the live stream today. Uh, if you've been with us or if you're new to the live stream, we've been walking through the uh, book of Mark, the gospel of Mark for the last uh, few weeks. And we are going to pick up in the book of Mark today too. We're actually finishing up chapter 6 uh, this morning. And so I want us to read the passage uh, from chapter 6 of the Gospel of Mark, verses 45 all the way through 56. If you've missed the last few weeks, uh, the, the recordings are on our website uh, at RedeemerRC.com. So please feel free to go check them out. Um, Shannon walked through the uh, miracle of the loaves last week, and I think it was uh, an insightful sermon. I think it will be helpful even as you listen to it today. In uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 45 on, Mark records, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And when, wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. This morning, um, we are looking at the story uh, recorded in the Gospel of Mark uh, called Jesus Walking on Water. And oftentimes, it's always fascinating to pay attention to how the different Gospel writers record these events in Jesus' life. What details do they capture? How do they structure their uh, accounts? And I think there's some details in this story that stood out to me as I was kind of preparing for this morning that I want to share with you. Primarily four uh, details that I want us to kind of look at. The first detail that I thought was interesting here uh, was that Jesus goes to the mountain to pray. The, or more generally, think of it as Jesus ordering his life and his ministry around his spiritual habits and disciplines. So as you, as you look at the story, uh, Mark records that the crowds, uh, if you know from last week, are trying to make Jesus king. He had healed people. He had uh, raised the dead. He had uh, fed 5,000 people. He was challenging the authorities. And the Israelites were, man, this need, guy needs to be our king. But Jesus, recognizing in their hearts, tries to dismiss them and tells, asks them to go back home. 
and he dismisses the disciples and asks them to go to the other side. But what Jesus does soon after that, as he dismisses the crowds and his disciples, is to go up to the mountain, find a secluded place, and pray. Now, when you read, um, if you look at your Bibles, I'm, um, I'm pretty sure this passage has a title something like Jesus Walks on Water or uh, Jesus Walking on Water or something to that effect. And as we read the Gospels, there is oftentimes this tendency as believers uh, for us to focus on the different fascinating miracles that Jesus does, whether it's the uh, multiplying the loaves, walking on the water, calming the storm. And I think it's always, uh, it's, it's, you know, obviously fascinating because we have never seen anything like this. And Jesus seemed to have a power and control over these forces of nature and our lives that we had never seen before or haven't seen since. So Jesus uh, does these fascinating things, and I think it's often in our stories and retelling of these events in Jesus' life, we focus on those. But the reason I wanted to point out that Jesus prayed and Mark recording that detail is that these minor details, if you may, quote-unquote minor, help us learn a lot if we pay attention to them. I think the important detail that we pick up when we read that Jesus, in the middle of his life, in the middle of his ministry, people are gathering and want him to make him king. He takes the time to prioritize time with his father. He, it gives us a little bit of insight of what Jesus' priorities were. Right? Um, it's, he wasn't here on a personal agenda. He wasn't here trying to be king, trying to do miracles, trying to get a following. He was merely trying to follow his father's will for him. And I think that is uh, something that we can learn from uh, as we look at the life of Jesus. Right? We don't have to uh, just focus on his uh, miracles, though those are fascinating. We can learn from the uh, disciplines and the practices that he practiced and learn from them. So if Jesus prioritized being in fellowship with the Father through prayer uh, and through solitude in this instance, we, I think, can learn from that and recognize that those uh, are important even in our lives. Now, this is not a one-off event. You might think, well, Jesus was a religious leader after all. He, of course he prayed. He always did the right thing. I don't think it is, it is a minor detail. It is a mere uh, passing of fact that Mark records this. I think Mark is intentional in recording this. See, Jesus understood that for him to fulfill his earthly ministry, he had to be in constant fellowship with the Father. And as Christians, in the middle of our busy lives, how much more is that true? Right? We often make the mistake of prioritizing excuse me, ministry and life over our time with uh, Jesus. Um, oftentimes, in different seasons of life now, you know, um, it's a we're, uh, Lindsay and I are in a busy season of life ourselves with uh, a, a newborn and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, so we know the challenge. And I know you, in your own season of life, whatever it may be, might be facing the same challenges. Unlike Jesus, we often try to squeeze in a, a little bit here, time here, a little bit time there to read our Bibles, to pray, to serve, to fast, whatever the case may be. And what happens? When life gets busy, these things get squeezed out of our schedules, right? It gets pushed into the periphery, and we overlook the need for us to be connected to the Father, to be connected to the Word, the living Word that feeds our souls. 
And what happens? Our souls suffer. We still have all the outward um, rituals of going to church, serving, and might be uh, all uh, looking good, but inside our soul is lacking the life and the vigor that we get from God as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time in the Word. But I just want to look at that this morning. If we are serious about growing and maturing into Christ's likeness, then we must be serious about adopting the practices that Jesus adopted in His earthly life. And it will look different in different seasons. So don't worry too much about, oh, it has to be a certain amount of time. It has to be a certain uh, length. It has to be this, that, or the other. No, I think as long as we prioritize it in our lives in different seasons, it will look different. But as long as we prioritize it, I think we will find God will give us the grace to be able to spend time with Him. Now, you might be wondering, why did Jesus practice these spiritual disciplines in addition to being in constant fellowship with His Father? And why do we need it? Well, just to summarize, spiritual disciplines help us by God's grace to grow and mature in Christ. Right? These are God's means that He has made available to us for us to nourish our souls and spirits, for us to be connected to God. And like I mentioned before, if Jesus saw these as critical for His life and ministry, how much more for us? Now, this is after all what we're called to in the Scriptures. If you'll read the epistles and Paul's letters, Paul is constantly reminding his church that his only goal, his one main goal, the reason he labors, the reason he suffers is so that he might present his church, the church that he serves, perfect in Christ Jesus. That he might see Christ's likeness be revealed in the people and the life of the believers that follow Jesus. And I think this, uh, this is, might seem like a lofty goal. We might think, man, given where I am today, I don't see how I am going to get to Christ's likeness. But if we, are, if we want to take the scripture seriously and we take Paul's word seriously or Jesus' word seriously, um, we can, through faith and grace, if we adopt the methods and habits that Jesus practiced in, by God's grace, can achieve and become more and more Christ-like. Now, you might be thinking, you know, I'm not going to be perfect. I like to remind people, being born again and being perfect are two ends of the spectrum. And it's a long way apart. And you have, we have a long way to go. So don't worry too much about getting to perfection. We'll get there in time. God will take care of that. Let's just take the time to spend time with the Father, take His Word seriously, and do the things that He has asked us to do so that we might experience more of Him and more of His grace in our lives. So what shape are your spiritual uh, disciplines this morning? What do your spiritual habits look like? Is it time to take an inventory? We might have started a Bible reading plan this uh, beginning of the year. Uh, we might have been had a prayer time or time to serve. But life's gotten busy. Uh, kids' activities have gotten away. Vacation plans, quarantine, whatever the case may be, they've all affected, probably affected our uh, spiritual habits. So I want to take this time this morning for us to just... Take a, uh, take, make a note, make a note this week to take an inventory of your spiritual habits. What is it that you need to do? Is it to read through a book in the Bible? Uh, is it to pray more? Uh, is it to um, serve uh, in some capacity this week? Whatever it may be, uh, maybe it's a time of fasting. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to consistently practice the spiritual discipline 
and experience God's grace and His love through it. Now, a quick reminder. I know what's going to happen as soon as you start doing this. Uh, the enemy will not be happy. They'll remind you how you haven't done this well. You haven't done it enough. You are not praying long enough. You're not reading enough scripture. You don't understand scripture enough. Put, put that all to the side. Don't worry about it. God is not a disappointed father who's keeping account of how much you have not done. He just longs to be with you. And he wants you to be in his presence, reading his word that he has given us, spending time with the Holy Spirit and uh, Jesus that, so that our souls are nourished. So the second detail as we move on that Mark records that I want to point out is that uh, Jesus sends his disciples to the other side. Here's the general point. Obedience to Jesus will take us out of our comfort zones. That's just how the reality works as disciples. We see that the disciples were sent over. Again, this is something that Mark records in multiple instances throughout his uh, writings. Right? It always seems like they're crossing over. They're going over to the other side. And not only is it that they uh, are crossing, Jesus just didn't seem to want to camp in a place and ask people to come to him. He went to where the need was. He went to where the sick were. He went to where the people needed spiritual instruction that they might experience his ministry. Um, and oftentimes, as, they, as the disciples did these in obedience to Jesus, uh, they found themselves in the middle of trouble. Uh, whether it was storms, whether it was meeting a demoniac, whether it's being driven out by, uh, by the uh, people uh, because their herd of pigs were destroyed, uh, whether it's in the storm and the story that we're reading at this point, uh, Jesus' Jesus's disciples found themselves in trouble almost always as they were crossing in obedience to Jesus. So you might wonder, um, well, if Jesus called us to do this or asked the disciples to do it, why do they keep facing all these challenges? I think this is a critical uh, detail that Mark records here. And I think it's true for us too. God calls us to come out of our comfort zones, to go with Him in obedience. And sometimes the other side is not pleasant. Sometimes it's a cancer diagnosis. Sometimes it's the loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's a delay in the plans that we've had. Sometimes it's a job loss, a financial struggles. Right? We might think because we decide to follow Jesus that our lives and our spiritual lives will just flourish and life will just be a walk in the park. But if the disciples' lives are any indication for us or any lesson for us, we must not assume that. We must assume that life will bring its struggles, life will have its uh, problems, but, and we are not guaranteed uh, an easy life just because we follow Jesus. But don't be discouraged by that, just as we see the disciples uh, might have been, right? Um, we, we have to remember that Jesus is calling us not so that He might uh, give us a comfortable life, Right? He calls us because He is more interested in revealing who He is to our souls. He's more interested in who we are becoming, like we just mentioned, that we are becoming more Christ-like. That is what He's more interested. He's constantly refining our spirits and our souls, uh, uh, dealing with the sin in our own lives, dealing with our agendas, dealing with our egos. God is constantly trying to work all those out of our souls that we might be more Christ-like. So as you follow Jesus, remember that following Jesus is not a guarantee to a safe life or a comfortable life. We will experience the same tragedies, the same difficulties, 
that the world has, the people in the world feels. There's no exemption for the children of God in that. What we are guaranteed, however, is that Jesus will be present with us, that His Spirit will lead us, that He will guide us, that His loving presence will uh, protect and provide for us in those instances. Now, it might not come in the way that we expect. It might not come in the timing that we expect, but God promises that He will be present. And we see that here in this, in this story too. When Jesus, uh, when you read in verse uh, 48, uh, it says that He went up to the mountain and He looked out and He saw the disciples struggling. And what does He do? He approaches them. He walks over to them. And that's the third detail that I want to point out. There's a few things in this third point that I want to kind of hang together. So uh, just stay with me. One of the things that we see here is that Jesus, uh, Mark records that Jesus uh, walks on water and go, heads over to the disciples. But in verse 48, um, he's, towards the end of verse 48, it says, And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. Now, I thought that was strange. You might, you might be thinking that's strange too. Like Jesus was walking to the disciples, seeing them struggle, and he decided to, not sure what he was trying to do. Was he trying to like race them to the other side? Was he trying to pass by them so that they might not see him? I don't think that's what Mark is trying to say here. Mark actually is making an allusion to an Old Testament reference. And if you think that word pass by makes uh, or rings a bell, it's because we've seen that word before uh, in the story of Moses. Uh, flip back and make a note to look at Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus chapter 33, it's where Moses is talking to God and as they get closer to the promised land. Moses is uh, concerned that God might not be with his people um, uh, as they go into the promised land. But God promises that he will be with them. And Moses, as a sign, asks God, can you, can I see your uh, face? Can I see your glory? But God understood that a mortal could not see God's glory in his full glory and live. So he asked Moses to uh, stand on a rock and that God would protect him in the cleft of the rock and that God's glory would pass by and God, Moses would be able to see God's back uh, and witness God's glory in a tiny uh, way. This is the reference that I believe Mark is making here. What Mark is saying here is, as, the, as Jesus walked on water going over to the disciples, He appeared in His glory. He appeared in His God-like glory. Uh, in, in, in the theological term that uh, is often used for this is a theophany or God appearance, God appearing in His glory. And the disciples, how do they react? They are completely terrified is what the uh, Mark records. It was as if they saw a ghost. Um, and Mark goes on to rec uh, record that this was something that they had, uh, they had never seen before. Uh, but Jesus, seeing how terrified they were, comforts them. Uh, as we see uh, in, in, in the latter part of verse 50, where, where he says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now that phrase, it's also interesting that Mark uh, um, records it that way. Because the phrase that it is I that Jesus speaks here is actually also a reference to the Old Testament. When Moses asks God who he must say sent him to the Israelites, God says, tell the Israelites that I am sent you. That phrase, I am, is what Jesus uses here. 
So Jesus not only appears in his glory, he identifies himself as he is God. He identifies himself as God in this story. Uh, And he gets into the boat and calms the storm and comforts the disciples. The third thing I think you see here that Mark records that I thought was interesting uh, is that as soon as Jesus got in the boat, he records in verse 51, and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Now, why is Mark referring to a miracle that we read about last week? This miracle happened earlier in the day. But Mark says that the disciples missed the point or were distracted because they did not understand the meaning of that miracle. Now, the word uh, hardened there just means, I think, dull or distracted. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a little bit of a hard word to translate, but that's what the closest translation comes to. It's almost like they missed the point of what was happening. And why does Mark say that they missed the point of the loaves? Uh, they are in the middle of a storm. Why is he making uh, an allusion to that? And I think the reason he makes a reference to that is because G- Mark is trying to structure uh, or reveal a truth for us that the disciples missed. Between the uh, breaking of the bread or the multiplying of the bread in the wilderness earlier that evening and Jesus appearing on the water as God himself, and referencing himself or identifying himself as God, Jesus was trying to reveal to the disciples who his true identity, what his true identity was. He was trying to help them understand that he was God in the flesh without overwhelming them. But they, they were not sure uh, what was going on. They didn't recognize that they were hanging out with God himself. They were hanging around God in flesh. And I think the, the truth here that I think we need to draw out uh, that Mark is trying to allude to here was that Jesus was trying to help the disciples understand that he was the greater Moses, that he was much greater than whom they, they were expecting Moses to be or a reappearance of Moses to be, right? He was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. But they missed the underlining meaning of all the miracles that Jesus was doing. They were just happy to go along with the ride. They liked the excess, uh, extra bread. They liked the miracles. They liked that they could be safe in a storm because Jesus was there, but they missed the point. Jesus, again, wasn't calling them to a comfortable life, but rather he was trying to reveal to them who, his, who he really was. And I think this is something that we can learn from. We often find ourselves in the same boat, no pun intended. We do find as believers that in the middle of a storm, we miss what God is speaking and doing in our lives, right? We often are distracted by the details and the nuances of our circumstances. And that's fine. That's only human. But I think if there's anything we can draw from what Mark is trying to help us understand, it is that we have to be as believers keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and that we have to be careful not to miss what God is doing and what God is saying and what God is revealing about himself in the middle of our storm. It might be a pandemic like we're in now. It might be a job loss. It might be the loss of a loved one. It might be a delay in our plans. The, the trials are endless. Right? It might be infertility, whatever it is. 
Remember that God is speaking to you. God is revealing more of who He is to you. And if we are not careful, we can miss what He is doing and saying. Now, if you're probably like me, um, you're probably oftentimes very eager to get out of these storms, right? Uh, I know in seasons of life where uh, our faith is being tested, uh, they're not comfortable, right? They oftentimes, uh, they oftentimes reveal our shortcomings. They, are, they push us to uh, constantly rely on God as opposed to our own agenda and our own strength. And I can, uh, can I ask you, church, this morning that we'd be not too eager to leave our storms or that we'd be not too eager to pray to get out of our storms because it is in the midst of these storms if we pay attention to what God is doing and what God is saying that oftentimes he, these storms are a catalyst to our faith. They change us from the inside out. They change our dependence oftentimes from our own selves, our own strength, our own wisdom to God and what God is doing. Now, the, um, as, as the disciples uh, move through the, through, this, uh, through the story, as we move through the story, uh, the other thing I think that we need to point out is, uh, why did the disciples miss, um, miss the point of the story? So I think it's, it's um, easy to understand why you would miss the point of the story of who Jesus is in a storm. Why did they miss it in uh, the story of the loaves? I think the reason that they missed is they were caught up in the outward appearance and the benefits of Jesus' miracles, right? I think this is also true for our own lives, right? We don't need to wait for a storm to pay attention to what God is doing and saying. We can do it even in the seasons of life when life is going well, right? Whether it's abundance, whether it's a blessing, whether it's God uh, giving us a new job or providing in some miraculous way, right? Let's not, while we want to thank God for that blessing, while we want to thank God and be uh, uh, grateful for what He, the blessings that He showered, uh, showered upon us, we have to be careful that we don't miss uh, what He's saying and, and doing in those instances. Um, the uh, the the fourth uh, and really the, the last point that I want to make in this uh, story is how Jesus appears to the crowds after the fact, right? We, verse in, uh, we see in verse 53. Let's read that again. He says, When they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. Now remember, where, did, where were they headed? If you look at uh, verse 45, uh, it says that the, he put the disciples on the boat and asked them to go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. They didn't end up actually where they were headed. But I think if you look at a map uh, of the Sea of Galilee, they were pretty close, right? But the, the, the crowds, unlike the disciples, recognized what, who Jesus was and his, what his disciples, uh, and, and his disciples. So soon as we read in verse 54, when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. They ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds. And wherever they heard he was, and wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So Jesus, as he's walking, the pe people are like, there is healing in this uh, man, there's, we, can, uh, uh, we can 
be free from the bondage that we've all we've been held in our lives if we just touch the fringe of his garment. So they, they go around town. They go looking for any and any any and everybody that was sick, and they lay them in their on their mats or on their beds along the route that Jesus and his disciples were traveling in. They, it's all it's. I find it interesting that there's two sets of people here. One, the sick people, right, and the second, the people who wanted the sick people to find healing. I think that's this is an interesting, uh, interesting. Um, uh, dynamic that we see here, right? The people that were not sick were like, who, what, where are the sick people that we can find so we can see what that the sick people find healing so that we can see Jesus working out his miracles. Oftentimes that's, I believe as disciples, how sometimes our life works or sometimes our calling as Christians works. Sometimes we need the healing. And as we've experienced healing, it is critical that we share, that we bring other people to Jesus, that we bring the story, the work that He's done in our own lives to the people around us, whether they're physically sick or spiritually haven't found Jesus. I think this is something that Mark is trying to record here that I think are, is important for us. The, the, the other thing that we, we see here was uh, Jesus uh, in His healing um, uh, wasn't I was not wearing magical clothes that people could touch, but rather, if you remember back in, uh, back earlier in the Gospel of Mark, the lady with the issue of blood, what does she do? She does the same thing. She, in faith, crawls over and touches Jesus's uh, garment, hoping that he won't recognize or he won't realize that power had left him and that would heal the uh, heal the woman with the issue of blood. In the same way, Jesus was God manifest, and He uh, demonstrated His ability and willingness to uh, heal the sick and the needy in His day. Jesus uh, was almost like God oozed out of Him. It was like the power and glory of God just uh, could not be contained. Uh, uh, could not be contained in Jesus, and people recognized that they were. Uh, even though he looked like a mere human being, the power of God flowed through, flowed through Jesus, and everybody that came in contact and experienced uh, Jesus experienced healing not only in their souls but also from their sickness. This is the same Savior that we worship today. This is the same Savior that we celebrate and that we sing about every time we gather. His death and resurrection is what we celebrated a few weeks ago at Easter, right? His power is available to everybody that seeks Him. His healing, whether it is healing in our souls physically or in our uh, spiritual lives, in our physical lives, whether it's healing in our marriages, in the lives of our children, whatever the case may be, God is able and willing to heal us. God is able and willing to heal the brokenness that exists in our lives. For our sakes, He lived a perfect life that we can learn from. He died a perfect death, keeping with the law, and He rose again victorious, breaking the power and the hold of sin and evil in our lives. Uh, he broke the power of death in us so that all who come to Him might experience His power and His healing. So can I remind you, church, this morning that Jesus is willing and able to heal the brokenness that you face in your life, whatever it is, broken body, broken marriage, uh, sinful patterns in our lives. 
sinful desires in our lives, Jesus wants to heal you and wants to restore you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Again, it might not come in the method and timing that we have prescribed for God, but God is present. God is able and God is faithful to heal us. Can we, can we take a moment uh, as I kind of finish up this morning to process through what we've uh, learned from Mark this morning? What is the state of your soul today? Have we prioritized spending time with God, whether it's in His Word, whether it is in prayer, whether it is serving those around us by practicing uh, these spiritual habits? Or have we neglected? Has life caused us to neglect these spiritual habits? And I, believe me, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Uh, we, uh, my, as, as I was preparing for this, um, I had to re-examine my own life, re-examine my own spiritual practices. Some of it has fell uh, to the wayside, if, I, if I'm being honest. What is it that we need to address in our lives? Is there sin patterns that we need to confess? Uh, is there, uh, if, if, if that's the case, uh, if, if your spiritual habits have kind of been neglected, let's take time this week uh, to take inventory. Let's take a look at uh, what we can do to get back into a routine and a rhythm where we are regularly engaging with the Word of God, regularly engaging in prayer, regularly engaging with God, whether it is through fasting or solitude or silence. Um, if you find yourself in a storm this morning, and we have quite a few going on, right? not to mention the pandemic we are in, right? do you need to go to Jesus this morning and keep your eyes fixed on Him? Have you been eager to put this behind you? Have you been eager to just get, this, get through this somehow, biting our teeth down and gritting our hands and clenching our fists so that somehow we can get out of this and hope that we make it out? Can I encourage you to keep our eyes on Jesus? Keep your eyes fixed on Him. He is able and He's present. He's able to uh, provide and be present as we walk through these difficult uh, seasons. Let's stop and listen to what God is saying and showing us. He might be trying to uh, say something important to you in the season of life. And no matter what the trial or the storm, if there's anything we can learn from this story this morning, it is that we can rest in Jesus, that we can rest in His power, that He is able and willing to be with us, that He longs to be in fellowship with His children. He longs to heal our brokenness, that He, he is our uh, Jehovah Rapha, our great healer. Let's pray. Father, we thank You uh, this morning. Thank You for the, your, your Word or Your living Word that You've given us. I know I've been challenged and encouraged as I have studied this passage to relook at my life uh, and to learn from your life when you were on earth, the habits and practices that you were involved in. Sometimes we can neglect it or just read past it because we think it's, it's too above us or it's too difficult for us or it's not important enough. I pray that this, this week, we as a church, we as individuals, we as believers will uh, take an inventory of our 
lives, the state of our soul, that if it has been neglected, that we will restart or reinstitute spiritual habits in our lives, that we might experience your power and your glory, that we might experience your healing, that if there's sin in our lives, if there's uh, these hang-ups, there's doubts, that God, that you will be present with them, that we will experience your power, that we experience your healing in that. Help us to remind ourselves that even as we are unable to gather together as a church, that you are still present with us, that you are still present with our families, uh, that you are still able, that you are still on your throne, that you are still powerful. That even as we emerge out of this, uh, out of the restrictions that we're in, that we will continue to experience your healing, that we will continue to experience your protection. We pray, Jesus, that as we are in the middle of a personal storm or as a corporate storm or whatever the case may be, that we be not too eager to um, put that past us or find a way out as quickly as possible. While it's uncomfortable, while it is painful, help us to take a moment, keep, take our eyes away from the storm and take our, keep our eyes on you because we know you're present and you are revealing yourself more and more to us that you're teaching us things about our lives, that we know these seasons of difficulty are catalysts to our faith, that as you help us grow and mature into Christ-likeness, that your grace will be with us. Help us to remember that we're not waiting for you to move in our lives, but rather because you are the Word, you're ever-present, and that you just need us to respond to what you are doing, what you are saying. I pray for all the uh, folks that are on this uh, stream this morning. And as they listen, if there are people that don't know you, Jesus, that you will speak to their hearts, that you will plant seeds, that this word will go forth and it will bear the fruit that you've sent it for. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.